You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. This is the business of cannabis. Welcome to the business of cannabis. We've arrived at our final MJ BizCon show. Uh, MJ BizCon uh, is the largest cannabis trade show and conference in the world. And the business of cannabis was there in Las Vegas at the Vegas Convention Center, talking to a whole variety of people. And we chose the most interesting interviews to bring to you this month. Alas, we're at the end. Uh, whether that's sad or not, it's happening, but we'll be going to more cannabis events and interviewing people at those shows in the coming months, so despair not. I'm Dave Skye. I'll be joined by Matt Cook after you listen to three interviews we did at MJ BizCon, and Matt will provide his insights as always. We're offering an eclectic mix today, I think, uh, three very different people operating in different spheres of the cannabis industry, which is the point of the show, uh, to focus a light onto the various aspects of the retail cannabis space to provide some clarity, cut through the fog of that mountain of goods and services you have to choose from. Uh, relying on the classic cloud forest for the trees analogy, I'd like to think we're identifying the leaves because there's just too many trees to pick from. So the first interview was with uh, Karina Ellis of James Capital Advisors. Uh, Karina has a modest plan. Uh, she's going to build the largest network of cannabis-focused real estate brokers in the country, coast to coast is the plan. That's it. <laughs> so we'll be asking her about those plans, uh, services she'll be providing. And in a general way, we talk about real estate issues, cannabis uh, retailers uh, need to focus on to be successful. Then we are going to meet a remarkable and dedicated young man, Ernest Tony, uh, who's working uh, to improve the representation of Black, Indigenous, and people of color in cannabis. He's founded an organization called BIPOCAM. Uh, and we'll be talking about the challenges uh, members of those communities face. And then last, uh, we talk payments, a frequent talk topic on this show, because it's an all too frequent problem for any business trying to sell cannabis, trying to get paid. Uh, we can talk all we want about the end uh, to the federal ban and the normalization of uh, banking, but it's not happening anytime soon. So that's the reality. And so retailers uh, need to keep a focus on payments and continue to bring uh, consumers choice in that area. We chat with Max Miller of Paybotic, a company that provides payment services to some 1,400 dispensaries. Well, uh, that's the show, a full eclectic slate, I'd like to think. And cannabis is nothing if not an eclectic industry. Uh, this is the last of our MJ BizCon specials. Next week, we'll be talking to people from across North America, still eclectic, but not from the MJ BizCon exhibition floor. And as I've mentioned on previous shows, the buzz you hear in the background is the buzz of MJ BizCon attendees and exhibitors talking cannabis, hopefully doing some business. Uh, enjoy the interviews and stick around here. Matt and I discuss uh, what was said. So let's get to it. And this is the business of cannabis. Welcome to the business of cannabis, the largest uh, cannabis show in the world. So they tell me uh, I should do some research to make sure that's true, but it looks like it is. Um, and I'm excited to have um, our next guest, uh, Karina Ellis from James Capital Advisors. Uh, Karina is Vice President of uh, Corporate Real Estate, the Cannabis Division, 
which is why she's on the show. Uh, she has been in the real estate game going back to 2004, but again, focusing cannabis around 2016 when she joined Rosanna Partners. Uh, she then brought her tremendous knowledge, experience to James Capital Advisors to head up their cannabis practice. And she's also bringing a tremendously ambitious strategy to have a national cannabis brokerage business with coverage in every state, which is cool. Real estate, leasing, buying, selling assets. Um, it's a make or break aspect of the cannabis business, but not necessarily one that people talk about a lot. So we are going to change that right now. Karina, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you very much. Very nice to be here. And uh, at MJ BizCon, it's uh, such an impressive show. Like it is uh, way bigger than I thought. Yeah. Um, Post-COVID, you always wonder. Uh, yeah, so let's um, let's dive into it first. You know, what resonated with me was this idea of a national approach, because there definitely is in, in cannabis a craft versus national brand. A bit of, and, and I'm not saying we don't know anyone who's wrong, but they're probably everyone's right, but they're different. Take us through that vision and what makes you think. Like, why is it going to happen and what benefits right, right. would flow from that? If I'm listening, I'm a dispensary right. and, I'm, and I want to exchange or expand or... Sure, sure. See, our brokerage is a... Uh, we're a full-service brokerage and we have a net lease team that we do, you know, the Sonic Burgers, the Starbucks, the Rite Aids, et cetera, et cetera. So we already yeah, have- I never heard of any of them. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we already have the infrastructure of the national net lease model, right? So at our brokerage. So, so the cannabis team is just gonna parlay off of that, off of the net lease team. Okay, so uh, for people who are listening, for, for net lease means what? Sorry, uh, uh, properties that have national credit tenants, uh, and they're on triple net leases. So, so basically, if somebody invests in them, they, you know, they don't pay expenses of uh, taxes. Um, the tenant pays. Yeah. The, the, so the tenant, you're saying the tenant pays for everything. Yes. Give or take. Yes, thank you. And that's uh, something a tenant better understand pretty well. Yeah, I understand yeah. these additional expenses can can be almost what the, the rent is. Well, well, depending on your location. Yeah, 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 exactly. Maybe not but, but yeah, cannabis. Net, net lease charges. Maybe in a shopping yeah, center. But net no. lease charges are the property insurance, the property tax, and the property maintenance. The maintenance. And uh, some, you know, some net leases, the tenant takes care of the whole building. And some, right. everything but the structure. Gotcha. So, uh, so, so we already have that structure at our brokerage. So it, it's perfect for the cannabis team to be able to. Um, so you're leveraging that expertise exactly. and, and um, bringing it into an industry. I'm guessing because my next question is an industry that needs it. What? So I may. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I have. First question, I have three dispensaries. I'm in an urban setting, and I want to expand. But now I'm nervous, because I my, my last lease is killing me, and the search was killing me. The search killed me, because I almost went bankrupt not paying attention to my business. What, what advice would you give me? What's the process I should go through? As if I was a, okay. a customer. Well, uh, you know, it depends how much money do you have. Right. You know, that's, well, that's an important thing. point. And if your lease is already killing you, maybe you don't have a you lot of money. You have to talk about that, yeah. or it's, it will influence where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I want to be in Times Square in New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you, you know what a lot of companies are doing to expand quickly? They are doing management agreements. So, so they, they take us through that. So, so they take a, a, an operator who's already operating maybe in Oklahoma. Maybe they're doing okay, they're not doing so great. And maybe they're doing fine. And so, so a, a bigger company with, with a good name brand and track, track record will take over the management of the store and uh, they'll take a certain percentage from the store and, and it relieves the operator from, from, all from, from all the responsibilities and, and they're making money. But but and so 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 this name brand, uh, Cookies does it quite often. Right. They they just start 
planting flax. Planting flax. I mean, that's probably the quickest way. Sort of some relationship to franchising mm -hmm. in terms of sure. you're, you're offloading sure. the capital cost to someone. Sure, sure. Okay. And if you have a lot so of money. Would I would come to you, you would say, how much money do you have? What's your vision? Um, so, and you would present me with options I'm hearing. Like, yeah, absolutely. How, how do you want to expand? You don't have to expand with your own money. Right, right. Uh, if you, uh, you know, if you have a lot of money, you just buy up other dispensaries. Right, you just buy up other. You know, there's plenty of people who will get that. out. That's part of sure, the, right. sure. So you'll source it out. You bring a deal. Sure, sure. So you I don't know how long that can take. Yeah, and the other way is just bootstrapping it and go to emerging markets, finding your lease spaces, and doing your uh, applications. You know, you hire consultants. Uh, you hire people who do that for you. So, so if you have money, it's easy. Right. Just like anything. Like so much. Yeah. yeah. And it's you know maybe it's, not easy, but it's it's certainly it, you can do the right things. Exactly. Would that be the right way to say it? You exactly. can do it right. And if you don't have the right money, like anything, you got to find a. There's a, a lot hack. of more sweat equity. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so it's uh, uh, there's so many ways, like anything else, to skin a cat in this industry. Is leasing in cannabis its own entity? Like, would you recommend? I got to come to James Capital Advisor. Don't just go to a lawyer. Don't just go to a, a real estate agent. Come to me. Well, we are a real estate agent. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> but, but you're in cannabis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most aren't. Right. What is it about cannabis that's different? That that would make me think. No, I better get. I got. I need someone who knows this space. Right, right. You know, uh, uh, it, it's uh, the regulations and somebody knowing the regulations. Um, each city has different rules. Uh, each state has like different what you're, rules. Like where you're, like how close to a school and that kind of stuff. Right, right. How close, to, how close to each other. Right. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. So some, like in Colorado, you can be right next to each other. And in, you know, Los Angeles, you have to be 800 feet from each other. Um, well, I'm, I'm, I live in Toronto. I think you're allowed to stack on top of each other. Oh, it's wow. It's literally... There are blocks where there's three or four dispensaries in the same Wow, block. wow, that's yeah. amazing, that's amazing. Um, yeah. But, but, but you can't be near a school, there are rules. Right, 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 and yeah. Those, yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah. And a man could you screw up, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, into a lease, yeah, uh, uh, knock, knock, knock. <laughs> I, I know, I talked to a gentleman uh, who is uh, was looking for sites in Missouri, and you have to be a thousand feet from churches and, and he's like, he didn't realize how many churches there were in Missouri. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a really hard time finding right. a site because right. it took him a year. Interesting. Um, I am talking to Karina Ellis of James Capital Advisors, uh, who has a, um, a very ambitious strategy, having a national cannabis brokerage business across the United States. So. Uh, we're, we're right on the, the, the floor, so people are coming by and talking to us, and that's the, what you're hearing in the background. It's a lot of fun. Change, change uh, gears a little bit. It's something I've been wondering about, and finally I have someone to ask. After what we went through with COVID, right. who do you feel has the advantage right now in the great game of landlord versus retail? And I know it's, yeah, not, you and know, I know it's very uh, local. City, but give sure, me your take sure. on that. You know, I think they have both learned to appreciate each other more. Oh, I, okay. I think the landlords are like, thank goodness I had a cannabis tenant who is an essential business and is still operating and not leaving me with a vacancy right. or non payment. You're not a rents. restaurant. Yeah, right. yeah. Which is what I used to want. Or, yeah, and, uh, you know, and. Cannabis operators, you know, they are, you know, if they're lucky, they have a great landlord that understands, you know, their plight and isn't just trying to gouge them. You know, there, there are, you know, that they're, they're. Are they paying a premium? Are people paying a premium for absolutely, cannabis? Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's like anything else. The better the location, the more expensive it is. You know, like, I get you, but is there a premium on top of it because you're camping? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so if you have, 
you, you know, and it's different it's kind of where ironic, you are. It's not like dispensaries are necessarily making a ton of money. Everyone yeah, just thinks it's drugs. It's not, exactly. it's not how it works. Well, they used to make a ton of money before the regulation. You know, now they have the 280E. They're paying more taxes. They have more regulation, regulatory expenses. Um, so, so competition. Yep, and there's a black market who, you know, who they don't charge taxes. They don't charge what? an extra, you know, twenty or thirty percent more for taxes on top of your prices, there's right? Money in, there's money in that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I Raise mean, your price and cut your costs. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the buying selling aspect of it. Okay. Um, what do you, what do you see right now? What, what's what's the market like? Um, starting for the you want to sell. Like, what do you have? To, what do you have to do to get yourself? And what what do you see happening out there? What to sell your business? Your yeah. Business do I have to like do things to make myself attractive, or and is it a buyer's market right now? Is it a seller's market on the, the sort of? Right, right. You know, uh, one thing you need to do is get your numbers up. You know, obviously. People are, are paying paying on some sort of a metric of sales and receipts, right? So they're really focused on the revenue side, yeah. As opposed to profit, not that they don't care well, about profit. Well, profit profit depends on on your operator. You know, it's an operator who's you know making it more profitable or not. You, you want you know you want a long term lease, but mm. because if you have a year left on your lease, you know there's uncertainty. So so you need are to, renewals tough to get in the cannabis business? Not if your landlord is happy and you're paying him a good rent, et cetera, but there's still a risk, right? I mean, are you gonna spend you know, $5 million on a business in a leasehold that has one year left on their lease? That probably the landlord wants we'll, we'll to- say yes. Yeah, he's gonna say yes, but you're not gonna do it. So, so you're- You'll negotiate that up front. And yeah, and, and you can renegotiate you know, for the sale, but, but Having a long-term leasehold is really important, and when cannabis tenants or operators do their initial lease, they should always ask for a long, as many options as they can get. You know, don't be like, oh, we just need this many, because an option, all an option means is that when, if you have three five years op options, like if you're done with your first five years, you get, you get to say whether you want the next five years. And then you get to say whether you want the next five years. So, so you have control that way. Right. And, and so now I have a 15-year... Right, right. And that... Okay. Right. And I think it's important, too, for operators to negotiate on their yearly increases. A lot of times, you know, it's not even something they look at. You know, uh, landlords will ask for a 3% yearly increase. And they just say, yeah, but... What if they say, hey, I'll give you 2%. That's over like 10 years, or like that's saving you 10% over 10 years of increases, which is a lot of money, a lot of money. So, yeah, I so can imagine a lot of people getting excited just getting a space or expanding and yeah. not really There's some using details. the expertise to say, no, we're, let, we have the 15 years to plan. Right. Not just for 15 years, but you might want to sell or be attractive right. or consolidate. Right, right. Let's flip it. What about the? Um, there, there are things that need that should be negotiated right. that aren't negotiated, and I think uh, would be a benefit to uh, business operators. Right. Are you in a okay. So, and are you seeing a lot of buying right now? Like flip it on the other side. The, the uh, capital. Businesses? Is capital moving in? Is at it the at right hot price. At the right price. Okay. And, and I think you know, uh, like most. You know, sales. There's always a buyer who thinks his his property or business is worth more, and a seller who thinks it's worth less. So, um, so the deals that get done are where both parties are realistic. So it's not people paying crazy amounts of money right now. People are a little yeah. I, I think uh, business focused. Right, right. And, so and they're gonna... nobody wants a stupid deal. Right. Well, there are moments when you do see, oh, people seem to just want stupid deals. In real estate, for uh, God's yeah. sake. Yeah, you know, this is true. But that's, that's, that's you know. people buying out of fear and desperation. Okay. Or, or not really looking at the deal all the way. Right. You know, somebody too eager to get in who's not really looking at the numbers and, as and, and as making it make now. sense. Yeah, it needs to make sense. Or what, what are you buying it for? 
So I'm going to ask you um, one last question. Unfortunately, running out of time because I really want the answer. <laughs> and again, I got someone here uh, with some expertise who actually can tell me something. Well, I hope I know the answer. If I, well, I know. <laughs> this is either a hard question or easy question. Uh -huh. um, if you had to choose, would you put a dispensary in a highly competitive area with lots of uh, dispensaries around there, or in the cannabis spot? Search out an underserved location and, and try to build it up. You know, it depends who I am, right? If uh, if I'm a cookies, I can go anywhere I want, and I can be right next to another big brand and make it happen, right? Just like just like in Walgreens and Rite Aid, they set up shop right next to each other. Right. They don't care, right? So if you and have you a strong- You need to be in the best spots if you're yeah. a premium brand. Yeah, so if you have a strong brand, I would say go to a strong location. If your brand isn't as, as um, you know, popular or you're starting to starting out, I would go in an underserved place where you don't have the competition and you can get to know your market and get to know the neighbors or, or Be whatever. Then. Yeah. The and, downside and risk is too sure. is too much. Sure, sure. Right. But but I you know that the answer to that is it depends who you are. But but no, I, no, that's I good equate, advice. I get that. It's yeah. easy to be ambitious. Right. But let's be practical. I equate this business to restaurants all the time. You know, a good restaurant can survive anywhere. A terrible restaurant can't survive anywhere. Right. Right. So uh, I think. Uh, I bet you the problem is figuring out whether you're a good restaurant or a terrible one. Yeah, yeah. And, most and, people think, you know. Yeah, yeah. And some some restaurants, you're like, how can these? How can right. this chef people think this, this is good food? Yeah. You know. Yeah. But but I think uh, people want an experience these days, and there's a lot of cannabis companies creating ex dispensary experiences, not just like. You know, it's not like going to, to the shop. It's like, you know, it's, it's an Enjoying indie store. The, the whole, yeah, right. yeah. We are here with uh, Karina Ellis of James Capital Advisors uh, on the floor of MJ BizCon. I have really enjoyed uh, this conversation. Thanks. Yes, thank you, um, thank you. And good luck on this uh, tremendous uh, uh, journey. I think you just uh, were on. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I think we all feel good about it and strong, and we're getting great resp response at MJ BizCon. Uh, our table has been nonstop people coming up, and uh, we're we're looking forward to 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 the challenge. You know. Fantastic. Karina Ellis of uh, James Capital Advisors. Um, I should leave you with Jane, uh, www.jamescapitaladvisors.com uh, if you want to check them out. Uh, and we'll be right back. The Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more.
who is VP of Policy and Partnerships with Columbia Care. Uh, you probably know Columbia Care uh, as a vertically integrated dispensary chain in 18 states, uh, medicinal and rec. Um, and he stays here to talk to us about their uh, equity work in the space. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. So, Ernest, let me, let me, uh, uh, I'd love to just talk about Ultimate Frisbee, but let's talk about uh, BIPOC Camp. I don't know if this is a, I don't think anyone would be surprised to hear about diversity, inclusion, and opportunity, equality is a big issue in the country. Um, I don't know if this, uh, why, why cannabis in particular, why is there a problem in this industry, a new industry, in your view? I'll take a stab at that. I mean, stab away. This, <laughs> I mean, it's a very interesting industry, you know, because uh, for now, you know, close to 100 years, uh, it's, it's something that's you know, we've had cannabis prohibition, and you know, going back from 1920s when um, you know uh, the uh, when the prohibition and the scares really uh, you know, began, and it started to uh, be directly. Targeting like communities of color, we got to see a few decades pass, and the war of drugs emerges, and um, we also saw that minority communities were the ones who were not only like over police but targeted and bore the brunt of um, you know the, the negative uh, impacts associated with this plant. You know, so now as we are seeing this industry really proliferate and it being a multi-billion-dollar industry. Um, we still have people, you know, who are hundreds of thousands of people who are getting arrested every single year for cannabis possession. I mean, there's over 40,000 people behind bars in the U.S. alone right now, and most of those folks are coming from communities of color. So the, the groups that are being most likely to be targeted and uh, paying, you know, uh, having like their lives uh, uh, disadvantaged. The, the, the price is being paid by yeah. the, the very community that it sounds like is still being shut out. Exactly, and you have this legacy market too, where you had a lot of the same you know, folks that come from communities of color that you know built this industry on its back and have not really had that opportunity to position to participate uh, in you know business ownership. So uh, there's a lot of things that you know conveniently intersect that have made this industry harder uh, for people to participate in, and um, you know there's like a lot of work that has to be done to sort of challenge not only the stigma but to create opportunities to. Give folks who have been disenfranchised that that chance to play. So, I guess if I if I said, would, you had something to say. Like, would it be access to capital? Is it um, education opportunities? Uh, being I, able to participate in experience, but so I, I think there's a lot of different factors that go into it, and I think before I get into cannabis specific ones, I think it's first important to recognize that the American economy does not work equitably in regular Lots of contracts going out, and we are finding ways. And 
trying to do everything we can on a vendor side or on a, a procurer side to try to connect with folks, that is still sometimes, you know, we're still struggling to figure out how we can find the folks. And that's why I think a group in particular like Vipacan, which we have a group and lists of businesses that are ready and want to figure out how to work in cannabis is really helpful too because it's easier to find folks and continue to grow with them as they grow their business and we all grow ours. Um, I mean, I'm saying we everybody like in cannabis, people, not just right, yeah. right. I'm here with Ernest Tony of BIPOC Can and Niggas Baby of Columbia Care. We're talking about um, diversity and inclusion and uh, the work they're doing in equity. Uh, Ernest, let's build on that. If, if I said, you are now the most powerful person in the cannabis space. Uh, don't do that to me. I don't know <laughs> if it's true, but maybe it is. I've heard. And you could do two or three things, specific things, real things, like some of the things Vegas was talking about. What would they, what would they be? To put some context into this and not just keep it at 50,000 feet. What is it at 10 feet? What, what, would, you, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting question, you know, um, because when you say like the most powerful like person in, in cannabis, I mean, I think you could probably look at that from a, a few different areas, you know. Um, I just meant yeah. that in terms of you could actually okay. make happen what you want. Gotcha, Because gotcha. that's not easy to do. What would it be in a dream world? What would you say, here are the three most important things we need to think about, but in a real way, in a practical way. And, and yes, Right, there's also a philosophical aspect that society has to evolve, which is going to be a process. But drop yeah. down a bit. So, probably the first thing immediately is anybody that's serving time for you know a, a cannabis-related uh, crime like possession, you know, get those records expunged. You know, it, it's ridiculous that there are people who are behind bars for the exact same thing that a growing industry is making billions of dollars for, right? Or, or I assume uh, if you have a record, can you get it to this industry? I mean, that a that's problem? a barrier too. I mean, there are people that can't can't even they're they're locked up for selling marijuana and they can't get a job to sell marijuana. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it's ridiculous. If anyone's good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first step. Um, I guess I said this a lot, but stop the harm. Uh, so find a way to do that federally, immediately. Uh, the, the second thing is, you know, when it comes to trying to. When it comes to trying to um, increase uh, participation in this industry, there's, there's a couple of things. I mean, there's, uh, if we could find a way to constructively uh, change the stigma and change the narrative so that uh, folks realize that this industry is not just about you know profiting, but it's also about this plant, which has the potential to save lives, then you know, we need to find a way to have the plant be um, you know, treated just that way as medicine. So let's not get it taxed. Let's have it set up uh, so that uh, you know we can actually have research and we can figure out how to best provide people the medicines they need to support their lives and their communities. Like from an economic and a business standpoint, when it comes to helping people participate in the industry in terms of entrepreneurship, it's especially for the minority communities and the folks that come from the communities that have been impacted, we have to find ways to provide them not only with like that access to capital, but really the education. So, you know, one of the things that BIPOCAN is trying to do is when somebody wants to get into the industry, um, try to make it an easy way to connect someone that can provide a service. So, you through the licensing process or help you with accounting or finance or marketing and play and be that match to support someone's business growth. It's not as simple as winning a license and all of your dreams are going to come true. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. done. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot know of people have learned that the hard way. So those three things, I mean, that's, yeah, I try to do that. Where do you, uh, I'll throw this open to you. Where do you think the biggest opportunity lies in this world? Is it more on the retail side now, or on the grow side, is it more on services, or is that a, even something to be answered, or is it everything? I was going to say, I'm not sure that's something that can actually be answered yeah. right now, because it's one, it depends on what state you're in, right? Because 
in some states the opportunity is zero. Because if it's not legal, it's not legal. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but also, where is your state in the legalization process? How many licenses and what types of market structures are going to be putting in will impact all of those? So I don't think you can answer where is the most opportunity unless you talk about a specific state or policy environment because it's so fragmented the way we're operating. That's interesting because I know people, for instance, in to be talking to some of the Cambridge <laughs> outside of Boston, and there's a freeze on, on licensing for two years. So I don't care how motivated you are, the people who got those cars. Right, and so there are these, and I think that's where, for me, I'm a policy nerd, so this is like about as cool as policy gets to be, but cannabis is one of those spaces where policy is directly impacting what the, what the economic opportunity is. It is directly saying how many licenses will be available, what is the size of the industry going to be, when is it going to get turned on. All of that is being decided by legislators. So from my heavily biased policy nerd standpoint um, with cannabis, to me the biggest opportunity is in policy making and in shaping what is being done so that we can actually prosper in a way that's not just good for cannabis and just rights and wrongs for what we've done in cannabis, but also provides us with a model that we can start applying to other parts of our economy. Because if we <laughs> fail to use this moment as a failure of imagination in this moment, we're really selling ourselves short, not just within cannabis, but frankly for the entire rest of the equity conversation we're having as a society. And we have the opportunity to really demonstrate that you can, in fact, design through equitable economic development policy, design equitable agricultural policy that actually keeps your small farmers safe, actually helps black farmers keep their land, actually undoes the, like, centuries of injustice that we've inflicted on certain American populations based off of the color of their skin. Right. Uh, and so I think that, to me, that's where the opportunity is, and then redefining not just how we do people cannabis, but how we function as a society. Yeah. I'd like to comment on that, because I agree uh, 100% that, you know, good uh, policy is going to impact livelihood, you know, for folks in this industry. It's going to directly impact, like, the economic uh, outcomes. Uh, but another thing that, you know, and I love policy, too, um, but with me working within the industry side, uh, the point that I've been trying to make is we should not use the absence of policy or the time in which policy takes to ignore the fact that industry can use their resources and platforms and their reach to uplift these communities that haven't had that the opportunity to participate in it. So there are companies that are making millions of dollars that are operating in multiple states that have the resources to, you know, say, uh, all eight, you know, a lot of people saying we want to be diverse and inclusive. So this is a great example of like literally like working with like a leading operator that has said yes, like we want to work within a new state that's coming online and we're gonna provide like some financial support and some resources to help these companies directly impact the exact communities that have not had a chance to participate. So um, another comment I'll make is uh, spend a lot of interest, a lot of time uh, trying to educate people that the cannabis industry is more than just a plant-touching uh, ecosystem. So there's so many folks who are saying, they hear that the industry is, um, a new industry is coming to their state, and it's like, how do I get a license? Don't want to deter you from pursuing that if that's your dream. But you have to realize that uh, there's an entire industry and ecosystem that, that exists beyond that. So for every person that gets a license, there's a bevy of services that they need to help bring that business into existence. So that's where opportunities are. There are people who can take a skill set that they already have in traditional industry and enter the space and be like a vendor that can work with a, with a licensed operator. So using like resources like mine to make that uh, access point easier is one that lets people get into the industry without all of the same type of legal requirements and its ability for you to you know, operate sooner and scale faster. We are here with Ernest Tony of uh, Buckmont and Vegas Lady of Columbia Care. Um, thanks very much for coming. This is great. This is very enlightening. Uh, and anyone listening, um, uh, reach out. And, um, I guess that would be the first step. Ernest, give you a call and <laughs> start working together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not it's, that hard, actually. Um, yeah, just check out the website. It's bipodcan.com, so it's uh, 
B-I-P-O-C-A-N-N.com. Cannabis is brought to you by Cashtech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cashtech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cashtech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. This is legal, this is illegal, 
But you got the first thing I always do is I commend cannabis business owners for taking the risk of just being in this industry itself. When it comes to financial services, there are institutions that have stepped forward and just like the cannabis business owners are prepared and willing to take the risk to service these cannabis businesses. And the future of this industry will be contingent on legalization and also in the interim of the financial institutions that want to step up and service these businesses to enable them. What is that? Well, take me through that risk. So how about this? I'm a, I'm a customer. I come into the dispensary. What does what does Paperbotics do behind the scenes that I'm not aware of to enable that transaction? Absolutely. So we have a card terminal that accepts any card with a PIN. It's processed as a cashback transaction. And that fits the industry today because the purchase of cannabis is illegal. So, so I give you $100? And it's a $95, so I take my debit card, my pin with a pin, I pay for a product, uh, it's $100. So what happens? If you'll put your card in our terminal, you'll enter your pins, it'll ask you how much, you'll type in $100, and when the receipt prints out, it's worth $100. And they will give you a hundred dollars in product. Oh, okay. Or and then or five bucks back. If it's an uneven dollar amount, we do round up. Right. So oh. they will give you cash change. That is one of the. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a drawback of the solution. However, it produces change that the bud tenders <laughs> typically get as tips, and the bud tenders do oh, like okay. the solution. Um, so, from a dispensary's point of view, what does Paybotics bring to the table? That's Paybotic enables their customers. You can't do visas. Is what you're saying? No visas. We can accept any card with a pin. Oh, even a visa card. Yes. Um, any card with a pin will be able to be used at our terminals, and the purpose is to allow customers to walk up to the counter or at the point of delivery and use their card at a payment terminal like at any other business. We want to be as familiar as any other transaction. The first thing I mentioned was we want to enable these cannabis business owners to transact with their customers and patients just like any other business. So walking up to the counter and using a card is a familiar process. It's unlike downloading an app, signing up, giving your social security number away. It's frictionless. So yeah, so I don't I don't suddenly come in and get uh, uncomfortable. Correct. With it's like the any money other I'm business. Over. Of course. Yeah. Like where where internet used to be five years ago, we would be a bit nervous to maybe transact what we do like a million times a day. Most people typically once to twice a day use their cards at registers. Our register is no different. And that's what we like is familiarity. It allows customers to be familiar and understand what's going on and complete the transaction easily. We're not successful unless we can help the store get the customer in there, pay for their product, and move through in the quickest matter so they can move on to the next customer. So um, I'm here with uh, Max Miller of Paybotic. Paybotic specializes in payments in the cannabis space. Putting you on the spot and looking forward. One, what's the vision for Paybotic? I think people listening would want to know that. Okay, sounds like I have a solution now. You're solving a problem. You're facilitating the transaction, making it frictionless. All sounds good. Where where do you see yourself in two couple years uh, taking the company and, and as a retailer, what should I take notice of? Great questions. The first one was where do I want to take the company? And like I mentioned, our services are providing to retailers with at the at the point of sale or at the point of delivery. In the future, we hope to support e-commerce payments, also B2B payments in a 
in a large capacity to make transactions more cost effective for businesses and for businesses in the cannabis industry on all channels. So like a dispensary needing to buy product. Correct. And right now how do they do it? They have many distributors, vendors, um, and also it's the payment between the dispensary and the brand. They could have 50 different brands in their store that they need to manage the payables for. We want to help them streamline this process and also really be cost effective, providing benefits to the dispensary and the brand for using our payment services, of course. Right. Most importantly, being cost effective and reliable because anybody can send a check, anybody can write a wire, but when you run a business at scale, you know, paper checks cost a ton of money. If you have to call somebody to collect on your paper check, having your accounts receivable person, it could be $25 to make that call. But if you look at implementing an electronic payments platform to manage this, the economics and efficiency could be a lot more effective than paper checks and wires. However, that's really what the industry is using right now. In the future, there will be enterprise payment systems that allow buyers and brands to connect in a lot of different ways, streamlining the payment process. And I don't have, there's no one size fits all. There's gonna be a lot of these different platforms that pop up. And the most important thing to look out for is you can trust what people are saying, but you really gotta verify that they're doing it, especially with the newness in the cannabis industry. Just be very careful and watch and understand everything that you're doing vet your vendors, and make sure that you don't just look at money, look at many. Right, yes, dealing with money. <laughs> but, you know, I, um, you, you said something that, uh, um, farm dispensary, what, what is, them pay audit. Is there a model type of customer that you work best with? Retail dispensaries and delivery businesses. And it doesn't matter the size, it doesn't matter where they are. We service uh, single store operators that have just one terminal of ours, and we have uh, stores that have 50 plus stores and several hundred terminals of ours at all of their registers. So we're able to service the mom and pop stores that are just getting started to multi-state operators with hundreds of registers. So, you know, our mission is to enable cannabis businesses to transact with their customers and patients regardless of size. Well, thanks very much. I'm talking to Max Miller of Paybotic, uh, all about payments in the uh, cannabis space. www.paybotic.com and that's no S, Paybotic. Correct. P-A-Y-B-O-T-I-C. Paybotic.com. P-A-Y-B-O-T-I-C. Um, and if you're having an issue uh, with your payments, and I know payments are a big problem in the industry, I'm guessing Max is ready to talk to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Even if you want to just uh, get some advice on what you're doing, give us a call. Thank you very much, uh, and we will be back. Thank you for having me. Business of Cannabis is brought to you by Cash Tech Currency Products, North America's leading cash management provider for cannabis retailers. Cash recyclers, smart safes, software and services, Cash Tech has everything the cannabis retailer needs to track, manage, and secure the cash earned in the dispensary. Don't take chances with your cash. Call Cash Tech and solve the problem. Visit www.cashtechcurrency.com to learn more. So welcome back. Um, we uh, to the business of cannabis here with Matt Cook. We have uh, you've you've heard from Queen Alice of uh, James Capital Advisors. 
Ernest Tony and Nigga Bebe from BIPOC Can and Columbia Care. And we ended that up with Max Miller of Paybotic. Um, so uh, let's start off with James Capital Advisors, Kareen Ellis. It's a quite a um, ambitious plan. What do you think of that? A, a coast-to-coast um, brokerage firm. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very interesting idea and interesting concept. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that are kind of in commercial real estate, and everyone seems to kind of focus on a on a niche. But um, I never really thought of it for the cannabis space. But I think it can make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, you're, there's a lot of nuances to the industry, uh, especially buying. I mean, they buy sell businesses, so that's probably their main thing. Yeah, people don't think about it that way, but that's a lot of what real really real estate these real estate agents do, um, or brokers, and um, but then also the nuances of the lease and having to pay premiums on uh, and negotiating option clauses. Yeah, uh, it's interesting it's too. Yeah, it's interesting <clears throat> because I know that um, you know if sometimes people don't like like buying um, you know buildings that have had a dentist's office in them. Um, so it, right. it'll be. It'll be interesting to see, um, you know, if they're looking at buying and selling, um, you know, they're going to really have to focus on that niche um, and stay true to it because you're going to need, um, because I, I think people will be hesitant to buy a building in some cases. Right, right. With their eyes open. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Ernest Tony of BIPOC can working with uh, Columbia Care, trying to create opportunities for people from those communities. It's hard not to be very, to, to say this is awesome and great. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little disappointing that that what exists in other areas of, the, of society, which we're yeah. more than aware of, has unfortunately found its way into an industry that has a reputation for being more open and uh, progressive. So on one level, very progressive. Hey, this is progressive. We shouldn't be throwing people in jail. And then on the flip side, on this, on these and the elements of quality, it's they haven't done a very good job, it sounds like. No. And um, you know, not sure exactly why that is. Um, but I think, you know, obviously I support the idea and I think it's fantastic. And I actually think it's it's better for the industry, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's no um, negatives. There's no negatives. I can't think of a downside. Yeah, other than the disappointment, a little about hearing just how entrenched some of these behaviors are. And it's, well, why? Because it's no different than anywhere else. But certainly cannabis hasn't, while, you know, hasn't stepped up maybe or as much as it could. So hopefully uh, we'll uh, talk to them again and see how things are. And then, um, well, I don't want to say another uh, payments company because we have a lot of payments companies on this. On, on the business of cannabis because it's a big issue. Yeah. Uh, and pay bought it. You want your money. <laughs> you want your money and it's a, it's hard to get it in, yep. in cannabis and you have to jump through a lot of hoops. Um, they have a lot of dispensaries. Uh, probably worth reaching out if, if either you're dissatisfied with your current payments company or they're having problems. Uh, you're getting bumped out. You're having to find new providers, and it's always good to have another provider. Um, but it's it, it speaks to the absurdity, I guess, of parts of this industry. Yeah, and you, you can't just have Visa not like yeah. everyone else, and the the bot. You have to you know search out your niche of company. I found it interesting that he um, had a payments company, and then went let's start another payments company in this one little area, it speaks to what we said before, there's unique aspects of cannabis that maybe a brokerage, and you, you need a, a specialist there, and you need a payment specialist. Yeah, I think traditional payment companies, um, you know, from my experience anyway, um, have shied away from the, what they consider the sin industries, regardless of, you know, forget about Visa and MasterCard, uh, even alternative payment platforms. Um, so you will see more and more of these pop up because it, it's an issue. Well, if you heard the very uh, sad, sad tone behind Matt's voice, it's because and our MJ BizCon month ends. And uh, we're back uh, uh, next week, but we'll do more next year. <laughs> when we're at yes. uh, we guarantee that, but uh, let's not go so far. Next week, uh, we have uh, Margot McAuliffe from Gabby Inc. 
super interesting uh, um, dispensary uh, company with their own brands as well. And we have Sean Connor of Herbforce, which is an executive recruiting company for cannabis, so more specialization in the cannabis uh, space. Um, really interested in that one. Yeah. Uh, thanks uh, to our sponsors. Sponsor as always, uh, Cash Tech Currency Products. Um, call them to handle all that cash you're making, um, and they will take care of you. Uh, so we, uh, on behalf of Matt Cook and myself, uh, David Sky, we'll be back next uh, with more of the business of cannabis. <laughs> You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.